welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 494 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, me good pal, Sean Orford. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing amazingly well. I'm doing amazingly well. I um, uh, because it was the anniversary of my um, heart surgery last week. Oh, um, yeah, a year. Wow. Well. Sixth of July was the was the uh, annual event. Wow. Um, so um, of having a, a, a pig's valve put in my heart. So I went round to the different two different hospitals. Uh, with dozens of of Krispy Kreme donuts and and thank you cards, and I've been going around and thanking people for uh, for what they did, and it was quite an emotional experience. Yeah. Oh wow, good on you! I'll bet. Yeah, a year. Yeah. Yep. Flip your neck. Yeah, and it was, it was amazing. You know, I, I went to see the porters in, in uh, the local hospital here, who who would be wheeling me around to everywhere. And I yeah. thought I'd, I'd take them some donuts and a thank you card. And I went down there, and they got really emotional. And they said, "No one ever thinks of us. They always think of the nurses." Oh, thank you so much. And it was it was really cool. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just checking back through my texts text now. Actually, to read, I'm not going to read any of these out. But um, yeah, sixth of July. Sorry yeah. to read any news from today. So uh, yeah, text me back later on. Actually, yeah. two, in two minutes, she replied, God bless her. Yeah. So, yeah, the neck, man. I'll have to read through those later on. and um, just. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is quite, um, I mean, going back through it, for me, is quite emotional. Um, going back on the wards, especially the ward where um, where my heart stopped and they had to restart me, or that experience, and going back on that ward um, was quite I, I could. I got the impression that not lots of patients go back and thank them, and I was thinking about that afterwards. And I was thinking they probably don't because it's so traumatic. Yeah. You know, you've been through the, this near-death experience, and you don't want to go back into the hospital and reactivate that kind of trauma inside you. Yeah, probably. Um, mm. Yeah, and we were talking about trauma and post-trauma today. Yeah, yeah. It's very relevant to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Probably, hopefully, hospital staff might, yeah, know that, or it's probably yeah, because uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, my grandma was in hospital for a week um, before she passed away last October, and so, and it's the same. Yeah, amazing mm-hmm. staff, and you'd love to go back and thank them, and but uh, it was quite a tricky place to be. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can understand why people might yeah. want to rush back. But. Yeah, I, and I, I, I was thinking about that afterwards because uh, when, when you go through those kind of traumas, you think that people would be so grateful that they'd want to go in and go, thanks for that kind of yeah. thing. Um, but the, like I said, the amount of people that obviously find that too difficult to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, okay, mm-hmm. well, let's, uh, let's crack on with the episode today at livingthepresent.co.uk for all the show notes and links as ever. Um, we do send out email alerts if you sign up for them on the homepage to new episodes and all that stuff. And there are some, as part of that process, there's uh, some free meditation files that you can access. Um, yeah. Evening relaxation stuff. 
that might come in handy actually once we've uh, we've been through this. So uh, do yes, that. it is very relevant to, mm. to today, really. Yeah, so yeah, so you've written a blog post which kind of kicked start kick started our discussion about this one. So is that is there something is there something in the water that you're kind of experiencing or you just haven't I'm actually doing some um, stuff over the next uh, couple of weeks with one of the uh, factories that I cover. Um and we're, and we're focusing on mental health and uh, my part of that is the post trauma. Um but it's uh Post-traumatic stress is something which is actually much more common than we realise to the point where everybody's got it. It's when it becomes a disorder. It becomes post-traumatic stress disorder. Disorder, yeah. PTSD a is, a, is a term yeah. a lot of people. I mean, it's it's also a term that gets connected a lot of, a lot of times to like military action. So people, yeah. soldiers and, you know, personnel, um, well, they, they, it was it was Freud that first came up with the idea of, of repression, so, so that people go through a dramatic situation which is scary that they can't deal with it. So they encode it in their memory in a box in the back of the cupboard, mm. so they don't have to deal with it. So the, and, and he his work was with soldiers that had what they called shell shock at the time, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and my experience is that when someone has been through a deep trauma, say like an assault, yeah, say, say a woman's been assaulted, very often what happens is they'll go to sleep. And in the sleep process, the REM part of the sleep, the rapid eye movement, which is the dream part, encodes all what's just happened into like a dream memory puts it in a box and sticks it in the back of the cupboard. And the person will go to sleep from a trauma, get up, and go and get on with their lives like nothing's happened. Right. Yeah? It's quite weird. Um, and it's only later, if it's re-triggered, or if something happens to make that, that box come out of the cupboard, that the contents ends up being dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, people can get symptoms from what's in the box. So it's like it's rattling in the box, you know, like 20, 30 years later, but not realise why they've got these traumatic feelings or phobias about stuff. Yeah, so uh, I mean, we'll, we will, we'll all experience some kind of trauma in our lives, big and small, you know. Um, uh, is there anything, like before we get, go into the issues of dealing with it longer term, is there anything you can do or it's very hard, obviously, if you've done if something's happened to you that's traumatic, it's hard to think rationally. But is there anything you can do at the moment that it happens or within hours of something traumatic happening to, to stop? Not necessarily. I mean, there have been loads of times when, um, especially when I, I ran the teams of counsellors, where an organisation would say, we've had this disaster, we need a team of people now. And you go there to wherever the disaster is. Um but all you can do really is shake hands, give out cards and make people aware of you so that when they're ready, they can contact you to deal with it. Because at the time, usually it's too much. Yes. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's yeah, it would be ridiculous for us to kind of say, right, once you've gone through something traumatic, go through this three-step process. Yeah. The trauma is obviously so great that it's just people aren't thinking straight, I guess. Um, and, and also, it, it's varied. So say someone... There's a family and there's a death of, of like I say, a parent 
you know, the mm. eldest sibling usually has to take control and organise it all. So everyone else is weeping away and getting rid of their grief. But the person who's trying to organise it all has to put their grief in a box and stick it in the back of the cupboard so they can do what they need to do. Yeah. And then other people can think, God, oh, they're bloody insensitive, aren't they? Because they're not whooping and wailing as well. Yeah. But they will, will whoop and wail, but it might not be so quite a long time afterwards. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the committees I've been stationed on for, for my council duty is uh, a Merseyside Fire and Rescue Authority um, committee, which is quite a big Merseyside-wide one, obviously, with lots of subcommittees yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff, the documents are quite dry, but obviously, yeah, fire and rescue services um, will deal with a lot of you know with a lot of traumatic stuff. You know, you were, in fact, I was on a station visit on the outskirts of Liverpool a, few, a couple of weeks ago, last Tuesday, um, and yeah, we were in a we had a tour of the station, which was cool. Learned about the work. I'm kind of I'm getting to know it all, so it's quite a lot to take in. But then we were having a meeting afterwards with staff, um, and twice the twice the alarm went for you know you've got to go and attend something. We didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. um, so it was fascinating. Actually, the, the first thing I thought the fast, most fascinating thing was how quickly they switched from meeting with councillors mode to poof, I'm out the room. There was no kind. There wasn't an even a apology. We got to go. It was just their brains flicked instantly, and they were up and out of the room. Like, I think maybe, maybe one of them said, "Sorry, we'll be back soon." <laughs> but uh, I remember watching one of them as it happened, and he literally you could see the moment when his mind just went into work mode and out out the room. They dashed in, and the fire engine zoomed out. Yeah. The, you know, two minutes later. So, uh, yeah. But, but but you get that you get that with a lot of uh, of service guys that are like that. And even if they're, um, you know, at home on holiday having a break from from being on the front line, uh, something will kick them straight in. So the classic is, I've actually seen it, but you hear it written about, you, you, you're at a garden party and, and a, a motorbike or a car goes past and backfires. And the people that, are in, that have got that kind of activation Will suddenly all be under the tables and all be yeah. responding like they would if they were on on the front line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm actually thinking about it now. I'll, as part of my role, I'm one of the committees. I might try and bring up about how they deal with trauma and stuff like that from a the fire and rescue men and women. Because well, uh, over, over the years, with uh, the work I've done, I've done quite a lot of trauma work with service um, personnel, the police, uh, the fire service. And things like psychiatry and and A and E. I mean, A and E is a really traumatic place because there you are. You just you know kiss your wife and kiss goodbye. You go into the into the unit, and um, you do not know what's going to be on the next trolley. Yep. You know? uh, and at this time of year, we're, we're still in um, uh, grass cutting season, mm-hmm. uh, and what that means is people do not take their safety seriously. So they'll go and cut the grass with a flail mower or a hover mower in a pair of flip-flops. And then they lose their attention and then they do their feet. You know, it's classic. It's classic. And I've, I've seen people, you know, they've lost toes, all kinds of things. Yeah. And it, it won't be long and we'll be in um, 
in the season for uh, cutting logs, mm-hmm. and people won't use the protection, and the, the chainsaws bounce back and, and classically hit, they hit themselves in the face. You know, I mean, I've seen it so many times you know, that uh, it, it can kind of blunt your feelings in a way. Is that another one? There you go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, amazing. So, like, you've got some stuff in one of the first lines in your blog post that took my, piqued my interest was the issue with post-traumatic stress disorder is not memory, it is recall. So, yeah, I, I guess something traumatic is just an experience like any other, but for some reason it lodges itself in a way that when you recall that memory, rather yeah. than, you know, oh, that happy time I was on the beach with um, my uh, partner, that's a, that doesn't trigger a or emotional response that like a, a really traumatic thing does. So what's what's going on there? What's the difference? Um, I, I think that all memories have a trigger. The thing about a repressed memory is that it's packed away, so, so we pack it away like it doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. Um, and if you hit the right trigger, then that memory will reactivate. And when it reactivates, all the chemistry in your system starts to come out. So, and that's stress hormone, everything else. And it could be anger, tears, emotion, whatever. And yeah. the triggers could be a smell, a taste, a sound, a color, a, someone's accent, you know, a place. It could be anything that triggers it. And if the, if the lid of the box comes off, it's there. Yeah. You know, and then you get the flashbacks, you get uh, the nightmares, you get all that kind of stuff as we start to relive the stuff in the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, we've got a, a, um, a, a connection actually who's yeah gone through a traumatic um, relationship break breakdown, uh, and that yeah. person there's a certain part of the world that they just what near where they live that they just can't go to, even if it's to collect, yeah. you know a, go get a bottle of milk or something like they, they're too yeah. afraid to go to that place because it yeah. probably they might meet the person or they might. Yeah, they might relive an ex- part of the experience when the when the uh, the breakdown happened, and uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I guess places can yeah can trigger things big time, can't they? Yeah, yeah, and and pl- places, yes, it, it's a bit like if you go back to where you were brought up as a kid. Um, the the first thing that that people experience usually is how small everything is, because when they were little, it all seemed so big. And then mm-hmm. going back again as you're bigger, it seems more. You know those kinds of things, and we start to relive memory like we were there. Mm. You know, and and if it was a traumatic memory, I mean, without being dramatic, but I, I'll say it because it was real. Um, uh, we all know about my dear darling father and and the abuse as a kid, right? When I was in the hospital about to have my chest cut open by this huge man. Um, and it was like I was effectively helpless um, because of what was going on for me, and he's going to cut me just open with a saw. And it was, I relived all those feelings of being abused. It was like I was powerless. And yep. all, I could, all I could do, looking in the box of abuse, which I thought I'd cleared out, but there was obviously some bits left in it, I mm. realised, was that um, I knew that if I just went with the experience, which was the tactic I learned as a child, I'd come out the other side. It only becomes a problem when you fight it and you resist it. That's when it became an issue. So I I just went with the fact that this guy was going to do what he was going to do, and I'd go along with it. Okay, fine, off you go. 
Were you under, was this before you went under anaesthetic then or? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, it was the day before because I'd ah. signed document. I'd signed document agreeing to all the things that you had to do. Yeah, yeah. And accepting the fact that that could, could kill you, that could paralyze you, that could do this. I had to sign each bit. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and on the completely flip side, on the other end of the spectrum, like yesterday morning, there, for some reason, it's a weird time of year to see it, but there was a massive spider in, a, in our bedroom on the wall high up. Oh, and I, yeah, I I get freaked out by big spiders, and um, I think yeah, it, right. it comes from a, a very vivid childhood memory when there was something in my shoe before I put it on. So I put my hand in to pull it out, thinking it was a stick or something, and it was a big, massive spider. And like, yeah, <laughs> like I still, uh, yeah, I still go back to that day, uh, you know, a few times a year. But yeah, yeah, so that's interesting, isn't it? I one of the things I, I learned when I had the farm in Wales was that before you put a boot on, you turn it upside down and you tap it because yeah. there could be anything in it from a mouse to a spider. So <laughs> you put your foot in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. also, so in the blog post also, it talks about the kind of four to six week um, period post traumatic event. So what's, what's important about that time frame and is that. Well, Go on. If you have a trauma, you know, maybe you bang your car or something and you've got that kind of shock thing and you might have, might go off your food, you might be a, a bit emotional, you might have difficulty sleeping and stuff like that and have that kind of anxiety. But usually four to six weeks, you would have processed it through. Um, maybe you talked about it, you kind of dreamt about it, whatever, you and you let it go. Um, and And... There is something that's important in these events is that we learn from traumatic experience. That's how we learn to be safe. So we may remember the events. The problem is it's the emotional loading that we have on it. And if we've processed it, then after four to six weeks, usually we can remember it without getting excited, getting mm -hmm. upset. Yeah. Um, if it's still with us after six weeks, then we call it post-traumatic stress disorder. It becomes a disorder. And then you need to start looking at it. And if you've still got something going on for you, like two, three months after the event, and it's still, it's still activating you and, you and it's getting your stress hormone up, then that's when you need therapy, which very often includes medication of some sort, like beta blockers to bring your system down, that kind of stuff. Yeah. How does that then differ? Because we've talked in the past about like a bereavement will take can take two years to process. I think we've talked about. So how, yeah. does, how does a bereavement differ from um, trauma, and why is why should you be a bit more worried of it? Well, I, 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 when I'm using the word trauma, it's interesting that language. Using the word trauma, I mean like a one-off event, like you know, like you, you bang your car, you know, you crash into someone else, whatever. You know, that's like a one event. When someone dies and it's someone that you know, it's a process and you've been with that person for a long, long time. Mm. Yeah, many years. And then they go, especially if they weren't expected to go and they've gone. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it takes two years for that is because you go through the anniversaries. You go through you know, uh, the anniversary of the death, obviously. Then there's the anniversary of the funeral. But there's also birthdays, Christmas, any anniversaries around the year. That you have to go through, and it usually takes a couple, a couple of rounds around the year to a process beyond okay. that kind of thing because it keeps reactivating. 
Yeah. And that's the thing is the triggers that reactivate trauma. Okay. The, the problem, you know, and, and it's like, I, and I've done it myself. Uh, you meet somebody and their accent just presses your button, just the, the way they're talking and you want to punch them on the nose. Uh, and they could be, they could be the nicest person on the planet, but they've reactivated someone else in your memory who, uh, you, who you did want to punch on the nose and you didn't. You know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. what's, so you've got PTSD. What's CPTSD? What's the extra letter there? Well, the, uh, the, it's complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So if you think about uh, trauma is one event. Yeah? Complex is usually when you get a layers event. So very often children that have been abused or someone who's been in an abusive relationship is layers of an onion. So it becomes, it becomes more and more complicated. Um, and it's not just like a one-off event. And, and that's a lot of what happens with um, people in the, in the services. Is, um, it's not like, it's just like one incident that they're having to deal with, that they're traumatically disturbed by. It's incident after incident after incident. Mm. Yeah. Now, th there's something that I, I get into in, in that blog and it's something that I'm talking about and the stuff I'm doing is that there is something else. So we're talking about post-traumatic stress. So it's after an event. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned more and more, and I've seen it more and more in COVID particularly, is people have pre-traumatic stress. So the incident hasn't happened, right? But they're using their imagination to see the incident like it has happened, then living in the present. And they're mm -hmm. developing the trauma of something that could possibly happen in the future. So the classic is someone gets a cancer, a, a diagnosis of cancer. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. lots of people, if someone says you've got cancer, think death straight away. And then if, if they have any understanding of types of cancer, then they might know the way that people die, or they might have had a relative who's died. Oh, so they then sort of have this pre-trauma. So they're imagining themselves in that situation and living it like it is in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah? So the, the, And then they actually put that in the back of the cupboard because they can't deal with it. Right. So, so you've got the, the trauma, with the, which is to do with the real event that's happened, and the trauma to do with an event that may never happen, but we've, we're actually processing it in the present like it has. Right, yeah. And I see that quite a lot. So um, I've seen it in little kids with COVID, right, where a child has been diagnosed with COVID, knows they've got COVID. Um, like small children, I'm talking about five, six years yeah. old, yeah. And then they realise that they've just been staying with granny and they're now terrified that granny's going to die. And they go into this pre-trauma of granny dying and they've killed them. Because they had, go, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. And it's like once that bit of your mind goes off, it can play all kinds of tricks with you. Yeah, okay. Yeah? yeah. And it is like the event has actually happened, but it hasn't. Yeah? Yeah, so... That sounds mad, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, it does. So what kind of process do we, does people need to start start the ball rolling to deal with this stuff and then what where does it take them to, to see well is if you go to the gp the classic is that you get um medication 
Yeah. Um, ideally, what you need is some kind of therapeutic input. Now, the because the information that's encoded in the brain is usually encoded using what's known as REM, the rapid eye movement, movement part of the sleep process. It's the imaginative bit that we dream with. Yeah. Very yeah. often, the most effective therapies are the ones that reactivate REM, rapid eye movement. So there is EDMR, which is where you're you're using rapid eye movement. There's tapping, um, and then there's visualization techniques. So I, I particularly use um, a, a relaxation hypnotherapy technique called uh, rewinding, um, where I visually get people to go back through the experience. But we take the layers of emotion out to the point where they can review the whole of the memory without getting emotionally activated. And, the, and then the, the post-traumas come down. Mm. Yeah. And there were all kinds of things. Like there was a horrible thing in the Kuwait war, in the Iraqi bit, where um, there was a bit they called Chris Bally. I don't know whether you ever came across that. The soldiers called it Chris Bally. And it was a whole column of, that went on for miles that had been burnt out and all the, the bodies were burnt out in all the, the vehicles. Wow. It was, and they, they called it Chris Bally. But um, I had to work with a, with a whole team of guys that had been in that and, uh, and having to desensitize it so that in their minds they could revisit Chris Bally without getting all activated. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. It's like you can't change what actually happened from a memory point of view that's structural but you can turn down the volume on the emotion. You can change that. Okay. Yeah. And, that, and that's why uh, w- one of the things about drugs, as in medication, is that they do turn down the volume. <clears throat> so they do work, right? But they turn down the volume on all your emotions, not just right. those specific ones. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you just become flat. It's better to try and put the work into. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, you can and, and and the big warning I always give, and this is at the end of the blog, um, in the uh, treatments bit, is like, don't start self-medicating, because people self-medicate with drugs, alcohol, they become mm-hmm. workaholics, you know, they do all kinds of things to avoid facing up to whatever it is that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and we and seem the- to be getting some quite high-profile versions of that, uh, yeah. Um, in the news and in, in recent months and in recent days, actually, about, um, you know, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on, but there's some high profile media folks where they've, they've for various reasons, they've got trauma and they're not dealing with it. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's going back to bite them in it. Yeah. And that's the problem is that when you have these um, things in the boxes in your head, and something tips the box over, all kinds of stuff can come out. Yeah. Now, analysts would say that most of us have between 20 and 30 boxes of unresolved stuff in the backs of our heads. Okay. Most people do. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> now, you, you don't, usually the only time that people have to face it is when the cupboard gets full, you can't fit any more boxes in, the doors burst open, and it all pours out. And people have what's described as the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's when it has to be dealt with. You've got no choice. Yeah. You know. um, all right. Well, I'll link to the blog post. Have you got a resource of the week as well? To- yeah. I've, I've popped a link to a book in the CPD as, uh, yeah, a CEPD. 
D book, um, which um, uh, it gives you like a beginner's guide into all these things. But mm. but but the overall message is <clears throat> that if anybody is having any of the symptoms like we're describing in, in the blog, do something about it. Yeah, because when you avoid it, you just feed it really. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, I'll link to that. Um, I'm going to link to a interview that I've just seen um, with uh, Delhi Ali, who's a footballer, um, actually back at Everton now, but uh, he's 27, but he really burst on the scene like 2018, 2019, and he was an England player and yeah. real, real star player. And then he just kind of fizzled out and um, just nothing went right for him for four or five years. And uh, he's just done this interview and it turns out that he's got quite a lot of trauma in his in his childhood um from when he was growing up and i think he was adopted um he was abused all that kind of stuff so he's just done this interview um and you know football is obviously a very manly world you know and he's been taking probably abuse and stick for years from fans um for because uh, he's not been performing how you know he should be at the peak of his powers now and um but turns out yeah he's got all this kind of repressed like traumatic stuff from his childhood and uh it's worth watching because uh, yeah, it's quite um, it's quite opening really, and yeah, especially within that kind of manly world of football. Um, yeah, uh, just it's a little reminder to us, isn't it? Just to kind of go go easy on people. You don't know what's going on uh, behind the scenes yeah. all the time, do you? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Is it's said easy to be judgmental. Yeah, when you don't know. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. So yeah, livingthepresent.co.uk. Um, and yeah, drop us a line if you want to talk about anything particular. But I'll see you uh, see you in a week or two, Sean. Yeah. Keep smiling. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Ron. See ya. Bye.